0: Let me summarize very briefly, last week, uh, the ideas that were presented in next, le- last week's year.. What's important to remember, or rather, what have we covered until now, in order to, that shouldn't get confusing? What have we covered until now? First, what, we went through the idea of Autum the and uh, demonstrated the idea of the concept of Meshiach in Odom, and that's how it really began. And then also Kayan. Then again, after that, we went into the idea of Yosef and Yehuda. And again, how you see the continuation of the theme of Mashiach. Then after that, we went into the idea of Moshe, Abbeinu, and Mitzrayim, the Jews and Mitzrayim. Again, you see the continuation of the idea of the fundamental uh, tasks the Mashiach. Then, I I, uh, I began speaking about what is the structure of the Mashiach Nuchnisdig terms, and I had gone to explain on that, and that of course enables it sheds light on a lot of different events. Once you understand the the uh, structure spiritually of what's happening with the Mashiach, one can understand a lot of different ideas in Tanakh. And then last week, what I had gone into is the interpretation of history, the phenomena of history, the events of history as nothing more than that which is based on two different ideas. This is what I had gone into last week. In other words, I had gone into the idea, and this is, I just want to offer as a short summary in terms of last week's share, that there are basically two determining principles that determine the course of events. It determines human history. The first idea is that every event expresses the Giloy or the Hester, the amount of Giloy Yechudoy of the Rebunishnum in the or its opposite, the amount of concealment or Hester Yechudoy of the Rebunishnum in the And that of course depends on the mitzvahs and the khatoim of the Jews. Therefore history always reflects that changing status, that status of how much Gilu and Hester is there as a result of the mitzus and the, or mitzus or the chatoim of Jews. The second fundamental principle is that all events at the same time that they are expressing the status or the state of Hester and Gilu is also stating another idea, and that is the idea of the two tikunim which I had mentioned the two ideas, the two tasks, and uh, uh, of the fact that you know, it's all, history expresses the, these two ideas and how they are to be fulfilled by the Jews. Since the Jews are the nation selected, which I'll go into today more, much more in depth, to be involved with the Masakin, the Chet of Odom Rishin, which is a Kilkel, and the original Chassan of Odom Rishin, which, what, which is what he was born into. The Jews were, create, were, uh, were the people chosen to actually correct those two situations. Therefore, history is always involved in giving them at any historical point the ability to massacre those two in as well as their own contributions to Chet, which Jews keep always, unfortunately, adding to. Jews, unfortunately, do Chet. So therefore, history gets worse and worse in terms of more Hester, which means more evil and so on. So therefore, Jews not only have to massacre in the inyanim of Adam, but also the contributions that they keep making as a result of the chatoim. So therefore, we see that history is determined by two fundamental ideas, and I cannot under I cannot uh, overemphasize the importance of what I'm saying now. That all history we can understood in terms of how it reflects the amount of Hester and Gilu in the universe because of the mitzvahs of Jews or Chathoyim of Jews. And again, that history must, every historical event, has the proper situation or opportunity for the Jews to be m'saken, the different Inyonim, the two Inyonim that have originated from Odom Rishon, as well as also being m'saken, their contributions to Hester, which is their own Chatoim. Every Hester means concealment. So therefore, those are the two fundamental ideas that all history reflects the Gileo Hester, A, and B, that every stage of history must have a situation where the Jews can masakin the different inyanam of Adam and their own contributions to the Chet, And therefore, history allows them to have those tikkunim. Okay, those are the two fundamental ideas in history. Like I said before, I can't overemphasize the importance of those two principles. Now, in order to massacre the the okay, I had mentioned that the first of the yinyanim is <laughs> to be m'spashit to spread holiness throughout. Okay? And I'll explain that in more detail. The second was to subjugate the eights horror, the sitra akhra. Under Kedusha means to subjugate him, make him a tool for Kedusha, don't allow him to win. Okay? Now, this idea, the second idea, which is called Kfias Hora, Kviyas Ha Sitra the subjugation, okay, the domination, the subjugation of the Sitra akhra its basic uh, purpose is realized in basically one of three ways. How does the Jews subjugate the Sitra akhra how does that happen? In other words, how is that second tekan of Odom done? It's done basically in one of three ways. The first way is that when the Jews are in, within these klipas, within the goyim, and these goyim are generally the representative of the sitra-achra because they, they do exactly what the sitra-achra wants them to do because that's what they freely choose. So therefore, they are a tool in his hands. So therefore, when Jews are in living among the Goyim, and this is exactly what's been happening for the last 2,000 years, that's why this second Tikkun is almost outweighed the first Tikkun of Hispashas Sakadusha, that will take place really in Yemo Yis But right now, for the last 2,000 years, we've been trying to correct the power given to the Sikra as a result of Odom Mushin's as well as the, all the Chatoim of the Eden. So therefore... That is generally done, this fierce ra is generally done in one of three ways. That a Jew ha- should has to try to remain a tzaddik under the, the goyim, remain, maintain his sitkus. Therefore Habakkuk says, tzaddik be'emunah yichye," that a righteous man will live by his amunah. That even if the evil gets so great, has such great domination, where you don't even see any kiddush anymore, you have to remain from in your amunah. The second way of... of the second idea of how Kfius Ra works is that the Jews suffer at the hands of a Goy. That's the second way. So therefore, what a Jew does when he suffers at the hands of a Goy is that the, all the power given to the Sitra Akhra and therefore which gives the power of the Goy to subjugate the Jews Jews, is dissipated because once you give him the power, that's it. So what else does he want? I mean you've given him what his do is, he's done it, He's He's put Yisurin to Yidin, which is of course the Einish of he- that's Hesti Yehudim, as I had mentioned previously. So then, what else does he want? So therefore, you dissipate his strength by suffering at his hands. So therefore, the second way of being fierce, Ra, subjugating evil, is to suffer at the hands of evil until you've dissipated all his power. So that's the second way, and the third way, of course, of the dissipation, is the fact that evil itself proliferates more and more. So again, it dissipates his power because that's what he gets as a result of Khatoyim, of Odom and of the Jews. So therefore the fact that there's such a tikbiyus ra, a proliferation of evil throughout the brio, again dissipates his power. Now, just to make a timely a comment about the Yisurin, once we understand that Jews suffering Yisurin is part of the second tikkun of fierce Ra, and we, this has been going on for the last 2,000 years, we can understand now that the revolution Shalom want, wants apparently to speed up the Gula, to speed up the messianic process. So what he's done is he's taken the Jews and he's given the Yisurim, which are incredible and that of course is the Holocaust. That the Holocaust is the second Tikkun in an incredibly short amount of time. And unfortunately it's it of course is the uh, the aftermath is, is of course is, uh, horrendous in that way. But the the second Tikkun of kfir Sarah, that's the way you take away the power of the Sitra Akhra, by suffering at his hands. Unfortunately, of course, that, that is really what the Holocaust has been. So the Bursam took the Yisun, which is really the, the way the Jews are being mekhapa, or rather the way they're being mekhapa in that kfir Sarah is through Yisun. And he took the Yisun that perhaps should have been spread over 100 years or 200 years, and he put it in six short years or whatever. And therefore, the tremendous yisurin that the Jews have gone through as a result of the Holocaust has been an incredible tikkun for the whole idea of piyus ra. That's the tov that has come out of it. Unfortunately, the Jews, of course, are massacring it through their own yisurin. And the reason why they are, if you recall, that the, the Rabbi Hashem has given three ways for a man to get olim habo, which means that he's given three ways to be megala yehudai. One is mitzvah, second is tshuva, and the third is yisurin. If a person does mitzvahs, great. If he doesn't do mitzvahs, so the Rebbe Hashem has given another way, tshuva. If he does tshuva, he can still get o'lom because that's still gili chudai. What happens if he does neither? Then the Rebbe gives gives him yisurim. And that's a third way of getting o'lom and I discussed a long time ago how yisurim is megal chudai. But in any case, yisurim is the last method, and the least desirable method in terms of what the Rabbi wants. However, it is a method that works. Yisurim. So therefore in the second tikkun of fierce Ra, either you remain at Tzadik, which is what? The first two, mitzvahs and chuva. And if you don't remain at Sadik, then the second way is, or the third way is Yisur. So notice fierce Ra itself has three ways. Either you do mitzvahs and chuva in among the, within the Goyim, which means that you maintain your tikkus through chuva or through mitzvah and chuva. That's a desirable way of taking away the power of the Sitra Akra. And if you don't do that, then you have to use a third mechanism in the second Tikkun. The third mechanism is the Surin in the second Tikkun, which is Ra. So, Therefore, unfortunately, that's what the basic method the Jews have been doing for the last 2,000 years is going from one country to the other in terms of expulsions and pogroms and so on. They have also been doing the, second, the, the, uh, the other method of sadik. The mitzvahs and tshuva, because Klai has been doing a tremendous amount of titkus Also, even though they've gone to all the goyim, they have never forsaken the Torah and so on. However, unfortunately, the Yisurin has also been a method which has been always with the Jews, and Yisurin is the of the is the Yisurin is the third method which the Jews use as a tikkun of the uh, as uh, in order to masakan the second tikkun which is subjugate the evil. Therefore. And the Holocaust, just as an example, is one of the very significant ways where the Asun of the Eden has been massacring the Indian of kfir Sarah, which is the second task of man. Now, this is basically the idea of history, once to understand the process of Mashiach. In other words, what we realize now is a very interesting idea. And again, I cannot overemphasize. History is nothing more than the ongoing attempt at man to masakin the ideas or the two, two ideas in Odom Mishan plus his own contributions to the Kilkel. That's all it is. That's all the Revelation wants. The entire history is nothing more than to give man, originally it was Odom and now it's Yidin. They are the ones who have the Tikkunim, not everybody else, which I'll go into later. So therefore, history is nothing more than the attempt to furnish man, the framework by which he can in everything in the Bria, the chassan of Odom and the kilkel of Odom, plus the kilkel of the Jews' own contribution. And all history is that kind of an image. And if you look at Jewish history that way, you can figure out and see the turn of events as, t- as the entire uh, era, of course, the entire ongoing of Jewish history. So therefore, we see that the Meshikhin, Mishach bin Yosef, which is what, or Mishach ben David, which is involved in the idea of hispashtus kedusha to spread holiness throughout, and Mishach bin Yosef, who is involved in the k'fias ra. That these two individuals really present two different ideas, two different tikkunim, which goes throughout the bria. That's the idea. That is the fundamental ideas in the Bria, what the Rosh wants. Those are the fundamental tasks of the Jews. And it's done through mitzvah, tshuvah, and yisurin. And the task is either to be mishpashit Kedusha or to be for the ra tachas Kedusha. This is the entire idea in a very succinct summary. You know, it's a, I hope it's understood or appreciated the significance of, of this entire summary. In terms of what it really means, it's, it's the clue, it's the key to understanding the entire 6,000 years of man's history. In other words, this is the internal design of history. That's really what it is. So it will be very profitable, of course, for everybody to go into history and now look at it this way. And that's exactly what I'm doing. I've gone through Odom and Cain, I've gone through Yosef and Yehuda, I've gone through Moshe Abenu and the Jews in Mithraim. And we see, lo and behold, these two tikkunum keep going, okay? Right now what I'm going to do is begin the next topic, again, the Stauschlust, the evolution or the continuity of this idea throughout history, and I'm going to backtrack a little and go into the entire idea of the Ovas. The Ovas, Avram, Yitzchak and Yaakov, and especially I'm going to dwell on Yaakov and Esav. What is Yaakov and Esav all, really all about? And most people have no understanding, it's learned in a very superficial way. Well, in general, Torah is learned in a very superficial way. But the idea of the internal design of what's really going on, in terms of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, and Yaakov and Esav and the twelve Shvatim, this is what I want to go into next. Uh, this is what I'm going to devote this year and, and until I finish the, these ideas. And then after, I'm going to skip and go into the next stage of history, which is causes Rachavim and. and then I'm just going to continue down until we get to Rabbi Akiva, and then into the next 2,000 years. So in effect, what I'm doing for you is actually demonstrating to you how these ideas go through the entire 6,000 years of history, and I'm merely giving to you in a very general way. Of course, hopefully, people will themselves will go back into the Chumash, having this internal design, having these keys. And you'll be able to see the incredible beauty of Chumash, Torah, as Mamish the Psukum show you, which I will be demonstrating as we go on. Now, let's go back now into the Ovas. Because that's really where we're up to. We're now into the idea of the Ovas. And the question, of course, is what is this all about? Why are there no Jews? Or rather, why are there no Goyim? There's are <coughs> only Jews. What is the significance of the Jews? And what, what does it mean by to be a Jew? And what does it mean to be a Goyim? What is really all these ideas really all about? And how do we understand it in terms of the actual uh, uh, course of events as we see in, in Torah itself? And how do you see it, Mamish in the Psukam, where you can look at the pasuk on one level and it's one story, which is usually of course the way people learn, and then you look at another level and it's a completely different story, which means that you will learn in Chumash, in terms of the secret ideas of what's going on in the Chumash. Now, in order to understand the obvious, we have to backtrack again to Adam, Because in order, in order to get that overview, we have to backtrack to autumn. Now, <clears throat> it's very important to understand that, uh, the, uh, these, this idea. There's a medrash that says that, and I had repeated this previously, but now I'm really going to go into the depths of it and so on. The medrash says that the version made a tenai, a condition with the Bria. What was that? He said, if Israel accepts the Torah mutav, good, if Israel does not accept the Torah, then I'm going to restore the Bria to toyu vavohu. I'm going to bring it back into the chaos that it should have been. Why? Because what is the Reboshim really saying? If there are, in, if there is an individual or individuals, that's what Israel means, it doesn't mean Jews, it means any individual who will make an agreement with me to do my will, and if I will give Mo'il Mahabar good then I'll do that if not then the whole universe is not justified it's not justified in terms of creating it so therefore Yisro means any individual Yisro means Yosha Kale, righteous of God which means an individual who is righteous who does what the Rabban wants mitzvahs whatever the Rabban wants Ratzen Hashem that's Yosha Ke'el therefore <coughs> If there's an individual individuals who are Yosha Kel means that that's, they'll do the will of God, then it was worth creating the universe. That's the whole point of it. That a person should work, labor, and then get Olam Ulam in order to avoid Namdik and If it doesn't work, then there's no point in the Bria. So then, Machra of the whole world. This is the, what the Medrash says. What do we see? We see before that the, the concept Yisrael does not mean Jews. It means an individual or individuals who are righteous. Okay, that's a very important idea to understand. Now, <coughs> this idea, Yisrael, really devolved on Odom. He was the first man. So he was the first Jew, in quotations. He wasn't the Jew, because there was no such thing as a nation different from other nations. All men were supposed to have this. The universal man was Odom. <coughs> and his task, of course, was to be Yosher Kale, to l- listen to the Tzivoy of the Rabban Shalom. As a result of the fact that he didn't, what happened? So the, therefore, what was so therefore Yisrael devolved upon who? Adam, right? And what was the task of Adam? One tikkun. What was the tikkun? To Masakan Hassern, which means the original Hester that God put into the world. That was the, the job of Adam. And he and, and it of course manifests itself in terms of a tree, and the Yetzirah, and the Nachish, and so on, which of course is really this whole Bechina, which I explained before, in the, in the ideas of Odom Rishon, and, and the structure of man psychologically. But in any case, this was Odom's task. It, and, this, and this task is called Tikkun of Kedusha, the correction of the amount of holiness besuid, in terms of the idea of the whole Madrig of that Odin Morishan was supposed to reveal this Kedusha, which means to reveal the presence of God, Gili Yechudoi, right? Throughout all its levels, throughout all the universe, in every facet of the universe, he had to reveal this Kedusha. That's Tikkun Kedusha, Beswedeh Spashtus Madrigo seha to reveal or to Masakim the fact that there's a Chassan in the Bria, that Kedusha is not here, right? There is no Gili Yechudoi, there's a Chassan. He had to second that and spread Kedusha, which means Gil throughout the entire Bria. That is what Yisrael should have done. Then he would have been Yosho Kel. Okay? Instead what he do, and therefore Yisrael also means, besides the fact that Yisrael means Yosho Kel, Yisrael also means, it comes from the word Srora, rulership, rule. What he would have done is he would have ruled over the Sitra Akhra, who wanted him not to do that task and therefore he would he be called Yisrael, Yisrael the one who rules concerning the Rabban Ishlam. he rules concerning the mitzvahs of the Rabban Ishlam. and that's really what the Malach called Yaakov. seriso imelukim you contended, you ruled over the, not over the Rabban Islam, but you ruled over man in terms of the ideas or the rotten of the Rabban Islam. so that's the two meanings of Israel. But in any case, Yisrael means was devolved upon Adam, and his task was the task of Yisrael was Tikkun Kedusha in all its madrigas to remove the Hester, to remove the concealment, which is the original Hassan of the Bria, and instead to be Megali Yechudi throughout the world. This was the task of Adam (coughs) Horishon. However, since Adam failed, so therefore a new task arose. What was that? That is the, So therefore what happened, evil became internalized in man. So the idea is to kick evil out, to get it out of the Bria. And you do that by subjugating evil. <clears throat> you subjugate the evil under Kedusha, which means that evil serves Kedusha. And how do you do that? As I had mentioned previously and last week, that you become a tzaddik, you maintain your tzitkis in the Sitra Akhra, and you use the uniqueness, you recall, of each nation to serve God. The same way the Sitra Achra wants to hide the Rebash which is in 70 different ways and represented by 70 different Umas, you use that uniqueness to adravat even the Megala Yehuda. And therefore, what that makes, it makes the Sitra Achra impotent. He's powerless. You dissipate his energy. In any case, so the second task of man as a result of the Chet of Adam is called Kfiyah Sitra Achra the whole madregu seho to subjugate the sitra akra the evil in all its levels tahas kedusha under kedusha okay in other words to take the Zoyama of the the snake the poison of the snake which he put into the bria right the tumor which he put into the bria which means the hester of the reverse from in the bria that's how it manifests itself to take that and to remove it to remove that Hester, that Zoyama, or the Kilkel, because it's damage, because that's man's contribution to the amount of Hester. That's man's damage. So therefore, means to remove the Zoyama, the Tumor, the Kilkel, whatever you want to call it, and therefore, or the Hester, and to restore the Giloy, the way it was before Odom head, and then to do the first task, to be Mespashat Kedusha, throughout all the levels. Those are the two fundamental ideas in the entire Bria. Okay, and again we see how it started with Adam. So therefore what comes out now is that Yisrael now has two jobs. Who's Yisrael? First was Adam with one job. Now Yisrael became all mankind with two jobs. First job was to subjugate the Sitra Akra, to to remain at Sadiq in the Sitra Akra right and of course if that doesn't work then you have Yisur and you have the other backup systems that enable you to be clear for the Sitra Achor so since since man failed Yisrael right Yos, Yosher Keel now has two jobs to do both the yis and the Kefir but who is Yisrael? Yisrael is still all mankind therefore there's still no Jews even after Odom is gone you still have kind and Hevel, and you have all the all the uh, all the people. Noah, everybody. Until we get to, of course, until we get to Avram. Now, the these two ideas, which were taken on by all mankind, is now personified in two shrushen biika. One is called the shirish of the Mashiach ben David, and the other is called the shirish of the Mashiach ben Yosef. Which means that. The two most significant parts of the Nishama of Odom, was now divided in the sense that one had to remove the evil, the Kilkel, which is Ben Yosef, and one had to restore the Kedusha in the Bria which was Ben Dovid. That's the ideas of the two Mishikher. There are two fundamental sources. That's the tree. The tree itself, in order to keep the work going, can mespash it or go out into many shrosham. remember memory. Uh, the, uh, the spiritual structure of the Mashiach they can of course they divide the many Shroshem the tree itself which is a fundamental stock, the tree which does these two avodis and that's Masak and the Neshama of Odom Rishon and they themselves give rise to many Shroshem as I mentioned previously either you Ben Yosef or you Ben David you're into the two different kinds of Tikkunim which affect the Neshama of Odom Rishon from which both emanate and therefore, there's a Tikkun to the Bria. Now, besides the Yaseid of either side, Ben Yosef Ben David, besides the Shrashim of either side, Ben Yosef or Ben David, and of course, only those either Yaseid or the Shrashim can be Mashiach itself, because he's the one who finally wraps up the job. Besides this, Klai Yisrael is also in one of the other Tikkunim. Every Jew is either in the category of Ben Yosef or in the category of Ben David. That's where every Jew fits. Except he comes from other parts of the Neshama, of Odom Rishon. But the whole source of the whole job to correct this is from the shrosham, which uh, from the Yisodis, the tree, which are the shrushim, which are the branches. And then you have all the other branches, all the other things coming out of the tree, all the leaves and so on. That's the rest of Kali's Israel. So therefore, the truth is that all Jews are involved in that the Avedah of <clears throat> either k'fiyas the Sitra Akhra under the kedusha, which stems from the aspect of the Neshama, the Yisoyed and the Shirish of Ben Yosef. So they revolve out of that. Or they're involved in the Tikkun of Ben David, which is that Yisoyed, Nosh shirashim, And they're involved in the of So it comes out that the task of the Meshikhan, whether it be the Yisoyed or the Shirish, and the task of all Chai is in one of those two directions. And therefore, of course, history Always puts Cliaswil, or rather the Bersham, always puts Cliaswil in one of those two directions. Either you're being mispashit Kedusha by spreading the name of God, by learning Torah and spreading it, Marbet's Torah, and so on throughout the entire Bria. or you're always contending with evil in evil, either by being at Tzadikdi or by suffering at the hands of evil. You want one or the other. So therefore, all Jews are involved in those two but they derive or but they are all nitsutsim uh, sort of or they all derive their ability to mesaken from the original Shrosham which arrives their strength from the two fundamental Yosaitis Ben David or Ben Yosef and both of these two Yosaitis are embedded in the Nishama of Adam Rishon. see the way it goes and therefore uh, uh, this is the, so this is a structure now before the Jews came along that idea of the Asiris, Ben Dovet Ben Yosef, as well as the Shroshem, as well as the Kai Israel, if you want to look at that, was Goyim. There was no such thing as Jews. In other words, everybody was involved in those two Tikkunim. All mankind was involved in those Tikkunim. So, therefore, you'll always find before Avram that there was always a Meshach Ben Yosef and Sheikh Madovet, like I showed you, Kain and Heaven. Okay. Then you'll find also that there were different Shroshem. You'll find also, well, not, not Meshachim because that would have meant the end of the tikun. That therefore the word of Mashiach. But you'll always find you see this instruction, and you'll find that the rest of the people are contending with one of these two ideas. This is the way it should have been. And the world, all mankind, should have then finally been massacred in these nyanim, right? Taken away, dissipated all the power of evil, and therefore Mespash and Kedusha, and then you would have had Mashiach. And you know who would have been Who would have been the subjects or the true objects of Yemesha Mashiach? Of course, all mankind that's what should have been because they would have been involved in all these both tikkunim of what has to be done as a result of Adam however mankind failed nobody was doing it we had Yechidim that was doing it very few people, like Noyach was a Sherish in Mashiach bin Yosef and he failed to influence the generation and so on you didn't, but the the generation itself was not really doing it, you had Sherashim, you had Yesudis but you didn't really have, or you rather you just had a Shoshim, but you didn't have anybody really following it. So therefore the Rebbe Shum decided that he's taking it away from mankind because they refused to do it. He's taking it away. He waited 20 generations from Odom to Noach and from Noach to Avram, and nobody responded to the call of being a or contending with evil, not listening to evil, which means on our level, doing the mitzvahs, and stop pandering to evil thoughts and desires and stop doing chattoim that's what it means in the human level in terms of the avodah but in terms of what the avodah does, the avodah is massacring those ideas and therefore nobody was listening until we came to of course until we come to Avraham now when we get to Avraham Avinu Avram was the first one really who began doing it in a tremendous sincerity and a, a tremendous amount of uh, application of these two ideas where do we see that in the life of Adam, of excuse me of uh, Avram Avino by Avram by Avram what we see happening is that again like I say he was the only one at that time who was really marked the because he fought he tried to understand. Now Avram himself, no, interestingly enough, did both avodas. What was the both avidus? He did the avodas of Ben Yosef because where was he for the first 50 or odd years? In ur And he was contending with Nimrod, wanting to throw him into the kivshan, into the fire. So therefore what he was doing is again remaining at Sadiq, no matter how much evil you'd pour on top of the man. No matter how much you try to kill the man. He was subjugating evil. Okay? So that's the idea, really, of Ben Yosef. That's the union of the Tikkun of the Chet, of Odomission itself. In other words, ur which represents the Klippus, means the, that was the basic locale of civilization at that time. Right? Those are the Klippus. What was that? Like? In ur it's uh, Iran. I think it's where Iran is. Iran? Yeah. His method of being for the Sitra Achra, of course, was stand up to Nimrod. And all his people there, and Ta'afa became believe in the Rabban Islam. This was the idea of really Ben Yosef. After he left Ur Kasdim, what was his next job? To spread the idea of the Rabbinic throughout the B'riah, to be mafalsem the Indian of the Rabbinic law. That's why it says Avram made Gerim, uh, Sarah made Gerus and so on, Yerus and so on. So therefore, what they were trying to do is do sure. That's the idea of who? That's the idea of Ben David to go throughout the world, then to spread the name of the Rabbi Shlom. so we see that Avram was really involved in the Sherish of Ben Yosef and Ben Dovid and the truth is that Avram, really, Avram Avinu had both, he was a Sherish really of Ben Yosef and he was a Sherish of Ben Dovid, mainly he was really involved in both ideas, the Ikah however of Avram was really Ben Dovid, because he was Chesed, Avram was Chesed, kindness and chesed is synonymous with Ben Okay? Which I'll explain a little more later. So therefore the Iker of Avrom, of course, was chesed, which really means that Avram, in his, in his essence, was really a shush to the Moshiach David, to Mefarish to the Reburnish them throughout the Bria. But he also had some of the category of Ben Yosef. And that's exactly what he was doing. Now, once he did that, what did the Rebbein them do? He said, ah, you're actually doing my work. Therefore, with you I will make a covenant. A Brisbane serum, And that's what begin. That is the, the significance of the Brisbane serum, is that the Rabbanishlam now makes a covenant, agreement with Avram, that you will be massacring those in Yonam. A. B. That your children will be massacring those in Yonam. And C. That only your descendants can massacre. No more Goyim. The Rebbe Shalom took it away from the Goyim. And he gave it to Avram and his descendants to massacre those two which again is the major task of all mankind. In other words, the idea of a tikun of the chassan and the kilkul is now goes only to his descendants. Now, why did the version make a bris with Avram? There were other tzaddikim in Avram's time, Malkitzedek. There were other, although made a brisk with Noach uh, and so on, but there were Shembe Eva, there were other tzaddikim in the time of Avram who were also doing these ideas. Lessons. Why did he make it only with Avram? And the answer to that is because only Avram, the Roshim felt that only in Avram would he make sure that his descendants would do it also. That's why. And the is reveals that idea when he says, Leman because Avram will give it to his children after him, that's why I'm going to make a bris with him. Truth is, he could have made a bris with others, but what the Russian wanted is not only the individual to Messiah because it needs more than just Avram. As we see clearly, that it needed until the Jews in Egypt. So he wanted an individual who would make sure that his descendants would also do it. And apparently, nobody met that test, only Avram. So he said, Avram, I chose Avram, bris ben Avram. Therefore, you are now the Tikkunim of the Bria, rests in you, which means that that's the contract. You do my avaita, which is the Tikkunim, right? Kfir sarah, after the Chet of Adam Rishon, and also Ispashas HaKedusha, which is what Adam Rishon should have done. That task is now only to you, to your descendants, and to nobody else. Therefore, so we see therefore that the name Israel went on who? On Avraham Avinu. No more did the, the name Israel go on the Ummah Sa'olem, the name Yisrael now goes only on Avram Avino. But he was not called Yisrael, that remained for Yaakov, mm-hmm. which we'll see. However, so, so then what, besides the brisbane of Saram, the, um, the name must change to indicate that. If a man enters significantly if into a contact with the Russian, he must be called something also. He becomes Yisrael, but the Rebbe does not call him Yisrael yet. He waits till Yaakov, which we'll see. But he's got to change the name of Avram, and he does. What does the Rebbe do? Of course, he gives him the bris, which is the sign in flesh of the entire covenant between a man and the Rebbe That is the Yisui, the sign. Therefore, that finalizes the agreement. Here's the agreement, and here's now the sign of the agreement. Actually, in the body of mankind, and the second idea uh, is that the reversion changes Avram's name. What does he change it to? Until now, Avram was called Avram, Aleph Bez Resh which means Av, the father of Aram, of Armenia, means uh, Iraq, means Urkazdim. He is only a, a father. You know, was, he was the. You know the place where he came from derived their sustenance from the Kedushan of Avram. but that was only a local it was only a local uh, father or thari or ruler now he became Avraham forget the reish, because that remained but Avraham is Aleph Beys Resh forget and hey men so it's Avhamoyim Goyim he became the father of a multitude of nations he now became the father of all mankind why? because if he was going to massacre those nyanam that would correct the Bria right? and who would benefit? all mankind so therefore all mankind is blessed through you because you're the one who's going to in it so therefore Avram did have a name change that no one was the father or give the hashpah to Avram from where he came now he would be the father of all mankind which means that he would be msaken those tikunim and all mankind would benefit Therefore, and that's the contract, therefore he's called Avraham. This is the idea why he was called Avraham uh, instead of Avram. Now, not only did that name change, of course, occur to Avram, it also occurred to Sarah because she was also part of the tikun, which means that until now she was called Sarai, my princess, with local. Now it's Sora, the princess general, throughout the entire Bria. So therefore, Avram got a name change, and Sora got a name change to reflect the new contract, which means the new conditions or the new significance of the Nishamas. that they have the Tikkunim to give down not only to themselves but throughout the entire Bria. Now, the Bereshitum. So you shouldn't think that maybe the Bereshitum he discarded the Goyim at that point name. He still gave him another chance because the Medrash says that when he was going to give them the Torah the Klai Israel, okay, he went around to each nation of the world and offered them the Torah. And each nation rejected it for whatever reason. Okay. Uh, he gave went to Yishmuel and they rejected it because uh, Gneva, Le Signev said, well, we steal. We don't want it. He went to Esav. He said, what does it say? So they said to him, what does it say there? So he said, Leis Sirtzach, you can't kill. He said, well, I'm sorry. We live on Akherah. We live on Kilim. And so on. each nation he gave it to. And of course, the only nation who accepted it was Klai And they said, Nasa Vinishma. It wasn't only acceptance. It was a superlative acceptance. The way they did it was incredible. But in any case, what what does that mean? It means that each... What, what it means, you, what, you can learn... Two different shots, because we don't find that God went around to different nations. What it means is that each nation, perhaps there were leaders in that those people who were trying to, you know, talk about morality and turning them back to the good, and the nation didn't heed. So therefore that was a chance again for the nation to listen to the right derach. Or what it also could have meant, and this is much more what's more probable, is that the version and Torah went through every nation and looked at its qrichas how low it was in tumma, And he saw, if he gives them the terror, would they be able to keep it? So he saw that every nation world had degraded themselves in terms of their tummah, how much they were a representative of Sitra Akhram, to such an extent, where even if he gave them the terror, they couldn't get out of the quicksand. They couldn't get out of the mud that they were in. And the only one who was possible was Klai Israel. Even though they had gone through 49 levels of tumor, which they had done in Mitzrayim, but it was possible for Claeswill to do it. And lo and behold, they did. In 49 days, they made, they made an incredible reversal. It just shows you the kirch of Claeswill when it comes to the Kedusha. Because, and that's all because of the, uh, the Hashpor of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, the 10 Shvatim, the 12 Shvatim, and so on. But the Goyim, it was seeing Rukhni spiritually, that they couldn't do it. So that's what it means. That he went around to each nation to see if they could be involved in the Torah and the Tikkunim. But unfortunately, they had strayed too far. That was the last chance the Goyim had to come back into the fold or to be involved in the Tikkunim to Masak and the Bria. After that it was sealed forevermore. that That's it. They can no more come back as a nation, they can only come back as individuals if they want to become a gear or gearist. That's the only each person still can do that. Be masakin, but no more as a nation, only as individual. Now we begin to see the power of Klaizra. The only nation on earth that can masakin the Bria, is Claiisrael. And Tikkun means God coming in the Bria and out of the Bria. If you recall, I taught many shurum before on symptom. That's what it means. Through the Averde, you must suck in all the kilkulam and the chesreness of the Bria. And therefore, you bring the Rebernishnam back into the Bria. The only ones who can affect the Rebernishnam that way is the only ones who have the hands on the Lever. And the Lever, of course, are is the Averde, the Mitzvah, and so on. But what the Lever does is it controls the tikkunim. It means, is the Bria back in the stage of kilkul or not? The only ones who have that power are Jews. A goi cannot move, the masak the Kunim not one billionth of a, of a meter. Because that's not his tafkid. That's the tafkit of Jews. They had that until Avram, and perhaps even, and of course even until Mount Tera. After Mount Tera, they can make not one move for the tikkun. Only Clay does that. That's why Jews are so awesomely powerful. And that's why the whole history is nothing more than to structure itself to make sure that the Jews have their Tikkunim to Masaken. It's like it's, everything is it's like a waiter waiting on Klai Israel that they should be able to Masaken the Bria. So every historical moment makes sure that it is of that kind of a framework, a situation where the Tikkunim of Kilkulim and Hassan will be realized. That's the power of a Jew, which we see once Tuvabushan made the Bris, of course, with Avram and with no other nation. So what would be, therefore, what would be, is that the Tachas of the goyim is to follow the Jews, to allow the Jews to show them the correct dirach. to be involved in that Tikkun by enabling the Jews to be Masach in the Bria this would be their Tafkin and for that they would get Ulum Habo also because they would have also have helped to masakin it by enabling the Jews to masakin it so the ones who do the tikkun are the Jews but the assistance by the Goyim would be their schus to get Ulum Habor. so they would get ulam directly. indirectly Unfortunately, the Goyim, not only don't they assist the Jews, they prevent it, make it impossible for the Jews to do their Tikkun. So it wasn't for the fact that the Rebbein himself has to make sure that history will always make sure the Jews will be Misakin, because you can't look for the Goyim for assistance. So Rebbein has to counter the negative effects of a Goy and provide the, the possibility of the Jews being Misakin the Bria. So therefore the Goyim killed their own Ulam Habor by making it impossible for the Jews to be massacred in the Bria. And if it wasn't for the Rabbin that he enables the Jews to be massacred in the Bria, then there would be never a taken. So the Goyim, of course, have a murdig, murdig claim against them. In Ulam H- in, and that's the whole Gemon that there would be a t- tremendous debate between Klan Yisrael and the Goyim. And the goyim will be vanquished because not only did they not help Klai Israel, they prevented Klai from bringing the dikunim. Therefore they had no in for those goyim. But for those goyim who did help Klai they will in as an appendage to Klai Indirectly, because they were an indirect influence on the tikkun of the Bria. Now, this week, I just want to give a uh, brief review of what we had covered last week. <clears throat> it comes out that there are basically three questions, two of which we have dealt with when we examine really the uh, Jewish philosophical structure, the Hashkofer system the first idea is <clears throat> who is the Masakin? who is that group of individuals which the rabbinical wants that will succeed in Tackling the task and overcoming it and therefore getting ulum Haba. So who is the Masaqin? And, we, we, uh, we, and until now, I've spoken about exactly what needs tikkun, what needs a correction. But I'll explain that just briefly later. But in any case, so the first question is who is the Masaqin? Who is that group of individuals who have assumed the obligation or responsibility and have entered into an agreement with the Rebunished to do the job that he wants and thereby get ulum Haba? The second question is, what needs tikkun? What is the task? What is the job that the Rambam has designated for this, in the, these group, this group to do? What is the tikkun? What is that job? And the third idea is, what is the method to masakin? By what method does one actually correct? These are the three questions. And right now, I'm going to quickly review what we have discovered in terms of who is the masakin. And, and the second is, what is it that needs tikkun? And in terms of what is the method, I will go after we finish the Overs because that, uh, based on that idea, is what the entire idea of Goyim and Jews are, in terms of what is the method. But in any case, we have discovered last week, or we've seen last week, that Yisrael is a concept, the idea of Israel is a concept, that is applied to that group of individuals who have assumed the obligation to do what the Rebellion wants. And whoever that group is, that is who Israel is. Now, therefore, before the Chet of Adam Rishon, who was Israel? Who was Israel, the, the the one who would be Masakin? Because whoever is Masakin, whoever corrects the job that has to be done by, which has been designated by the Rebbeinu they are called the Masakin. They are called Israel. Israel. So who was Israel? Israel was Adam Rishon that was who the name Israel first devolved upon and what would be Adam Rishon means that Adam Rishon and all men that would come out of Adam Rishon what would be the Tikkun? what needs correction? the answer is Tikkun of the Chassan to correct the deficiency in the universe that was created by the Rabbanu Shalom in other words, what was created by the Rabbanu Ishlam was a Hester Yehuda, a concealment of his unity Therefore, the Tikkun is to magali Hudai. That's the chassan, the original deficiency. Therefore, before the Chet of Adam Rishon, the, the concept of Yisrael, which is synonymous with the concept of the Masakin, who is the one who is going to correct whatever deficiency is, is put before them, devolved upon Adam Rishon and all men, and the task, or the Tikkun itself, was to Mesakin the Chassar. Now, the concept Yisrael after the Chet still devolved on all men. In other words, even though Adam Rishon did the Chet, Yisrael was still Adam Rishon and all men. There was no such thing as Jews or Goyim. It was still all men, but now the Tikkun, or that which needed correction, was now of a double nature. The first thing that had to be niskan, or corrected, was the Hester, the concealment of the presence of God, which man contributed by doing the Chet, Because by doing the chet, in effect, he concealed the presence of the God even further. Therefore, he had to undo that concealment. He had to remove the amount he contributed to the original state of Hester in the universe. That's the tikkun of kilkul. Kilkul is the damage that man did. And the second tikkun that man needed was the original tikkun of Cheser, which is the amount of concealment of God's presence, which God himself had put into the universe in order to give man a task of Understanding the nature of the Rabbanit Islam. so therefore, after the Chet of automation the concept of Israel devolved on still on all men, and the tasks were now two instead of one. The first task was to correct or undo the hest that man contributed to the universe, the hesti chudoy of God that he contributed to the universe as a result of his sin, which is called kilkul, tikkun of kilkul, and the second task of man was now the tikkun of chassan, which is the original amount of deficiency or the original amount of concealment of God's presence which God's contributed put into the universe in order to allow man to have a task in which he can labor at and therefore get therefore the concept of Yisrael again devolved on all men still but now included two tasks Tikkun of Kilkul and Tikkun of Chassan the third idea is that again you notice there's a changing concept of Yisrael it's already changed once first it started with all men taken of Chassan, now it's all men taken of Kilkel and Chassan it changed a third time or rather a second time and that was that after Avram no more would all men be able to misaken. no more would all men be able to undo the amount of concealment of God's presence that man had contributed to the universe and the rabbin had contributed now only Avraham Avinu and his descendants and that is really what the nature of a Jew is in other words the concept Yisroel, which means that that group of individuals who assume the responsibility of bringing the presence of the rabbin into the Bria where all men know of the knowledge of God that's the task of man to recognize the supreme authority of the rabbin Islam, That task would now be done only by Avram, as I had mentioned last week. Which means that Avram Avinu now has the concept of Yisrael. The idea or the terminology, the term called Israel, now applies only to Avram and to his descendants. No more to the rest of mankind because they had been not doing anything for 20 generations. So therefore they were not doing anything in terms of realizing who the Rebbein Shalom is. So therefore, the Bersham gave it to Avram Avinu because of his work. Therefore, the concept of Israel, since Avram, has now devolved upon Avram and his descendants, namely the Jews. And the correction, the Tikkun, that which needs the task, that which needs to be corrected, is the Kilku, which means the amount of contribution that man has done to the concealment of God's presence as a result of his Chatoim. And the original chassan, which is the amount of hester of God, God's unity, which had been contributed by the rebellion himself in order to give man the task in the first place. Therefore, we now see that Israel changed, in terms of who it changed twice. One was all men, and then it became Jews. The original task of man was to massacre the, the chassan, and now it became to massacre the, the chassan, and the Kilko. So this is the changes that had occurred. This I had spoken of actually last week. Now if you recall, what does Tikkun chassan and Tikkun of Kilku mean? Or rather, how does one go about it? As a result of man's sin, what he did is he introduced evil, which is the Yetzirah, that Malach which is in charge of all the affairs that try to seduce man into sinning, that Influence entered the universe in the form, or into the body of man, before it was a snake, and now it became internalized in the body of man. Now man carries around his own in, evil inclination in his own mind. So therefore, this wherever. So therefore, the sitra achra, which is the Sahara, or the Malchamavas, whatever you want to call them, now is internally in the physical universe itself. Therefore, one must. Re- this was the effect of the chet of Adam. Therefore, one must remove the evil or the Eight Sahara, and the way you do that is by battling the Eight Sahara and subjugating him and using him for kedusha. That's called Akhra to subjugate, subdue the Eight Sahara and to remain righteous, and therefore then subjugate the Eight Sahara, and he has no more power in terms of his effect. That is the way you are misak and the kilko and you in the chassan by spreading Kedusha that was once you've battled the Eitzahora and you've won over him you now spread the name of God throughout the entire world and you promote the belief in God this is uh, what's called hispashas Kedusha so that's what Tikkun Kilkul is and that's what Tikkun Chassan is now therefore what we see so far is how the concept of Israel changed and which means who is the Masakin because the universe was created for those individuals who would correct the deficiency in the universe and what the Tikkun was that also changed Now, when we say that, that Yisroel, of course is the concept of who can correct the damage and the Chassan and the bria, that means that I don't care who it is I don't care if before the advent of avram which means all men or after the advent of avram which means avram and jews those are obviously the different groups that could do or uh, correct what the rebonishon himself had put into the universe basically it means the shroshim which i had mentioned the mashiach ben yosef and the mashiach ben david those are the two main nishomas which are involved in two different kind of activities and the second, it means Jews, all Jews, which are working in one of two, those two directions also. So when you talk about who is the one who is masakin, who corrects the Hester, or the concealment of the presence of God, you always talk about one of two individuals, either Meshichus of Ben Yosef, who is involved in correcting the damage to the Bria, to Kilkum, or the Meshichus of Ben David, who is who's, who's involved in correcting the Hassan uh, of the Bria, and together, all Israel, all Jews, are involved in one or the other. Either they're battling the Eighth Sahara within the Eighth Sahara himself, and they're trying to subjugate the Eighth Sahara, or they're trying to spread the idea of terror throughout. These are always the idea with, in terms of what Jews are involved in. That's in terms of the massacre. Now, to get to Avram Avinu, which is where we le- less, uh, left off last week, if you recall, Avram Avinu battled both. Because in the beginning, he was in Ur Qasdam, in Ur of the Chaldees, right? And in there, his job was to remain at tzaddik, even though all around him was tremendous evil, right? So what is that? That's to battle the Eighth Sahara and to subdue him and to remain from, religious, righteous. That's exactly what Avram did. He was in Ur Qasdam, he refused to let the, the influence of, of Chaldea to, uh, to uh, influence him, right? And he battled and remained at Sadiq. So therefore, what we he's doing there was the fierce Ra was subjugating the evil in ur kazdim. The second job, of course, is once he went to Israel, he was spreading the name of God throughout the entire world. Wherever he went, he would always use it as an as a, a, as a, uh, opportunity to spread the name of God. This was the whole idea of Hesachnos' Ocham. So therefore, this was the Hispastus Kedusha, of course, throughout. And this is what the second task which Avram did. As a result of that, we now come to the idea that the Rabbani decided to make a covenant with Avram. What was the covenant that the Rabbani made with Avram? He made an agreement with him. He said, since you are doing the jobs that have to be done, in other words, you are actively engaged in fighting the Sahara, being religious even in a non-religious environment, and you are also spreading the word of God, I will now make the agreement with you that you are the one, as a result of this tasks that you're doing, you are the ones who will correct the entire situation in the universe. Therefore, the revolution made the brisbane of And that's what it symbolizes. That now Avraham Avinu and he and he only and his descendants can actually engage in repairing the job that was originally uh, put into the universe, which became the task of man. So this is what the brisbane of Psalm signifies. That the concept of Yisrael now devolves only upon Avram and his descendants, which means, remember what does Yisrael mean? That they are the only ones who can massacre the Bria. Before the Rebershim decided to enter into an agreement where Avram and his descendants would be the individuals, or group of individuals, that would do this job and therefore get Uylam Habo. So, as I said, the concept of Israel, Jew, which actually means Israel, actually the concept of Israel devolved upon Avram and his descendants. Now, therefore, the Reberon says to Avram, and in you shall be blessed all the nations of the earth. Why? Because since you are actually correcting the original state, you're bringing God back into the universe, and that is a blessing for the entire universe, and you're the only one who can do it, therefore, all nations will be blessed through you. Because you're the only one who can do it. So, therefore, all nations will receive their blessing as a result of your task of bringing God back into the universe. That's why it's all the nations will be blessed in you. Now, the Rabbanishim therefore made an agreement with Avram. What was that agreement? That you and your offspring, you and your offspring, you and your descendants are the ones who will be misaken, correct both deficiencies, right? which would mean that you will remove the concealment of God's presence and you will reveal the presence of God. That's called Gil of course, which means the revelation of the unity of God. And as a result of that, you will get oilam Habo, And in oilam Habo, what's that? That you will experience the unity of God in the exact amount that you brought Him into the universe. So therefore, that's the agreement. You correct the deficiencies of the universe. The deficiencies being that there is a concealment of my presence. You bring me. You bring me back into the universe. And as a result of that, in olam mm-hmm. haba, I will the Rebbeinu will reveal himself to the to that individual in the exact amount that he revealed God to the universe. It's a measure for a measure. Okay, and this is the agreement that the Rebbeinu made with Avram and to all his descendants after him. In other words you remove the concealment of kilkul, the original damage, and the concealment of Hassan, which is the first damage. And if you remove the hester, instead you are megali you reveal the presence and the unity of God, you will experience that unity that you yourselves reveal in Ulam Haba. This was the agreement that the rabbinish made with Avraham Avinu by Brisbane Absarum. That is the significance of the Brisbane Absarum. Now, that was the agreement that the revolution made with Avram. Look at the significance of that agreement. That's what it means. It means that God, the revolution took away the ability of everybody to do the job that man was created for in the beginning, which is to recognize the supreme authority of God. Now he gave it only to Avram. Of course a guy can recognize the supreme authority of God, but nothing happens in the universe as a result. God does not be, go in or out of the universe as a result of a a Goy's actions. That's what it means. Only as a result of a Jew's actions and I had mentioned last week that God still left it open to goyim in terms of they become gerim. If a guy wants to enter that activity that the Jew has, therefore he can become Jewish. This is the way he can become involved. But as a nation he can no more nations can no more assume the entire obligation that the Jews have only individuals of a particular nation. Therefore Therefore, the Rabbein told Avram that uh, at that time, at the Brisbane of Saram, as I had mentioned previously, that your, your descendants will be slaves in a land that they do not know, 400 odd years, right? Why did the Rabbein tell that to Avram? Because when he gave this job to Avram and he said, you're the only one that can actually correct the situation, the fact that I'm concealed from the universe, Okay. What the Rebunshim is telling him, in effect, is that I want not only you to correct it, but your descendants. And in a very short while, I want the Mashiach to come. And I had mentioned to you that when the Jews went out of Egypt, had they not done the sin of the Ego, then the Yemoisah Mashiach, the Messianic era, would have started then. Not now, as we have to wait for it. Therefore, at the time you make an agreement with somebody, you have to spell out all the conditions of the agreement since the agreement that God was making with Avram was that you and your descendants can fix all the damage and deficiencies in the universe and therefore usher in the messianic era, because that's what the Yomo of Mashiach is, it comes after all the tikkunim have been done, therefore the Rav says, and also your children will have to be in Egypt, he didn't name the nation of course, for so many, so, uh, such and such amount of years, and as a result of that, the entire tikkun will have been accomplished. And you can get the Yimosh Mashiach. And the truth is, that's exactly what almost happened, if it wasn't for the Chet of the eagle. But I had spoken about this in previous shuram. Now, getting back to Avram, So that's the significance of Brisbane and Absarim. Very important to understand. Most people don't understand the significance of what it was that the did with Avram, And that's really what it was. Now, where do we see that in a profound way in the Chumash? that the Reboshim made this covenant with Avram, and not only that, that he made the covenant, but also, of course, that um, he insisted, of course, on having his descendants also as part of the covenant and so on. The Torah says, the ter- the ter- says that the Rebunishim com- commanded Avram to do the bris milah, to have the ritual of circumcision. Right after that, right at the end of it, it says that God finished speaking with Avram. God finished talking with Avram after commanding him the mitzvah of Bris Milah. And it says, Vayal Elohim me al Avram. And God ascended from upon Avram. That's the literal translation of the Chumash. Now, Chazal say that, Chazal has a question. He says, What do you mean? Vayal Elohim me al Avram. And God ascended from upon Avram. What do you mean? When he, it sounds like God was on his back. And then after he commanded him the mitzvah of Milah, he, he went off his back. It sounds like God was riding on top of Avram, because it says he ascended from upon him. It sounds like he was upon him before, which means on top of him, and then he ascended. That's a very unusual loshan. It should say that God ascended next to Avram or away from Avram. What do you mean he ascended from upon Avram? The Loshan distinctly says that God was riding on Avram. That's what literally what it means. So Khazar tells us one of the most fundamental principles of all and that is that from here we learn out that the Ovos, which is Avram Yitzhak, uh, Yitzhak and Yaakov, they are the Merkova, the chariot of God, okay? Which means, in other words, it's like God rides Avram as like a driver rides a chariot. So therefore Chazal learned that since it says God ascended from upon Avram. It means that Avram is the chariot of God, the Merkova. Okay? That the Ovis, Avram Yitzchak Yaakov, and now it's talking about Avram, is the chariot of God. This is the way Chazal calls it. What does that mean? What is the significance of the fact that you call a tzaddik or Avram a chariot? What does that mean? Not only that, once we understand what a chariot is, we'll understand some ideas of what Yicheskel Hanovi saw in the Maisim cover. Remember there was a whole image, he saw a giant in the sky, and he saw four wheels and fiery angels mm-hmm. and so on. What does all that really mean? Well, we'll go into a little of it, and you'll begin to see what the symbolism of that really conveys. The fundamental structure of the entire universe in terms of what must be. But in any case, right now we see that the Chazal learn out from Vayal al avram that Avram is the chariot of God because it says He ascended from upon Avram means He got off Him, okay, which means He was on top of Him until He ascended. So the question, of course, is what is the significance of the fact that Chazal called Avram Avinu a chariot, a Merkava? cover. Second, what is the significance that the fact that God that we that God says He got off Avram after He gave Him the mitzvah Milah, okay? The second idea. Now. Let's go into the Merkava. The ideas in the Merkava are, like I said, are very profound. And they're very important to understand. And they themselves, it's like they are a model of the entire universe. What must go on? Now, the Merkava itself has two fundamental ideas embedded into it. From the nature of a chariot. Okay? What is the purpose of a chariot, a Merkava? Let's look at that first. The purpose of a chariot, today you look at in terms of a car, but but in those days they had chariots, right? They had chariots instead of uh, cars or modern weapons of war or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was their methods of, uh, well, that's really the purpose. The purpose of a chariot is what? To convey the driver to his destination point. It's a vehicle. That's what a chariot is. A chariot is a method, a vehicle by which an individual can go from one place to another. Mm -hmm. That's what a chariot is. Okay, So it's, uh, it, the Merkava, it conveys the driver to his destination. Mm-hmm. That's what a chariot is. What does that mean? Well, who is the chariot and who is the driver? We see that Hashem, the revolution, of is the driver. Because Vayal, he's the one who ascended. And Avram is the chariot. Right? So we see who the symbolism of who the chariot and who the driver is. What does that mean? if the purpose of a chariot is to bring the driver to his destination, right? What's the purpose then of Avram to do to Rabbanu Shalom? Is to bring God to his destination. Mm. What's the destination of the Rabbanu Shalom? To come back into the universe. That the Rabbanu Shalom's presence should be revealed again into the world where it was hidden purposely to give man a, a task to do. So therefore, the idea of chariot is that the Rebbein presence should come back into the world, back into creation, to bring God back into the Bria. This is the idea of what the chariot is, because the chariot conveys the driver to his destination, and the destination of God, of course, is to where he's not, Kav because God really is all places. But we do not perceive him in this universe, so therefore it's as if God is not here, so therefore the destination point of God is to come back into this universe and therefore, man recognizes the presence of God throughout all creation. So, that is the purpose of Avram. To bring the Rebellion back into the Bria. Okay? That's why Avram is a Merkava. He's a chariot. Because he's the vehicle by which God will ultimately go back into the Bria. Now, when God goes back into the Bria, what does that mean? That means Gileachuda. It means the unity of God is completely revealed throughout the entire universe. So it comes out, again, that chariot is a metaphor for the task of Avram. The task or the purpose of a chariot is, again, to bring the driver to his point of destination. The task of Avram, metaphorically, is to bring God to his destination from where he is not perceived to be, namely this earth and the entire universe, to bring him back into the universe where we perceive the driver, we perceive the unity or the presence of the Rebbeinu So, therefore, that tzaddik is the chariot of God. He is a chariot for God. He is the emtsui. He is the vehicle. He is the means, the method by which God is revealed in this world and all creation. That is exactly the relationship between the tzaddik and and uh, and the Rebbeinu now, besides that, what does that convey? So, in other words, we see that the Merkava's purpose, right, is God's destination. That's, that's the purpose of the Merkava, which means to remove the concealment of God's presence as a result of the kilkel of man, which is the amount of deficiency that man contributed, and also as a result, a result of the chassan, because of God's initial deficiency. So therefore, when it says that the chariot brings God to creation, and therefore it's depicted that God is riding a chariot, it means that the task of the chariot, or the task of Avram, is to bring the rebellion into the Bria, and as a result of that, the concealment dissipates, is no more. Instead of concealment of God's presence, there is now Gilui, a revelation of His presence. Which means that the two tikkunim, or the two aboidis, have to be done. Which again, first tikkun is to remove the kilkun, to remove the, defi- the deficiency as a result of man's actions, that's the damage, and then to remove the deficiency as a result of God's actions, that he himself originally was deficient in the universe. So therefore the hester as a result of man, and the hester as a result of God's actions, has to be removed, and it's removed as a result of... Avram's actions and therefore Avram is symbolized as a chariot that is the first purpose of a chariot to bring the, is to bring the Rebellion into the Bria now the second idea of chariot is operationally how does a chariot work a chariot works by adopting the will of the driver chariot has no will of its own is that true who the only the chariot responds to the will of the driver, okay? Therefore, in other words, operationally, a chariot works by responding to the will of the driver, therefore gets to the destination of the driver. What does that mean? Since the chariot is a metaphor for Avram, therefore Avro must adapt the will of God completely, and then he will get it to his destination, right? So therefore, the way the chariot works is by uh, subjugating, subjugating its, its will. Of course, the chariot has no will. It's an inanimate object. But in terms of if it could have a will, it would have to subjugate its will to the will of the driver. And then it can get somewhere because then the driver can lead it. The same idea. Avraham Avinu, who has a will of his own, just like all men, and who has free will, who can initiate whatever they want, they can do whatever they want, have to adopt the will of God, the Ratsun of the Rabbein Shluelam and then they can bring the Rabbein Shlodim into the Bria and if you recall, the idea of the adapting the Ratsun of the Rabbein Shlodim is the essence of the Avodah. The whole task of a man doing a mitzvah means what? that I will not do what I want, I will do what the Rabbein Shluelam wants me to do so whose will are you adopting? You are adopting the Rabbein Shlodim's will That's the task of man. By adapting the will of God, God says, since you proclaim that I am the only one in the universe, because you say, I will do your will, therefore I will now get closer to the universe in accordance with your statement. You testify to the unity of God by doing a mitzvah, because that's what you do every time you do a mitzvah, you testify to His unity. Therefore, God responds on His side, and He says, I will come back into the universe as a result of your testimony, if you testify to the contrary, that you do a sin which says that I want to do what I want, not what God wants, so what you're really saying is I'm also a boss, I'm also somebody, I don't have to do what you want, I'm also somebody. So what you're really saying is that God is not a supreme being because you have a right, you are entitled to do your own will. So therefore what you're saying is that the Rebunisham is not supreme, so the Rebunisham, as a result of that, removes himself from the Bria mida connected me mida, measure for measure God subjugates his actions to the actions of man if man proclaims his unity, God comes into the universe if man proclaims his own greatness then God leaves the universe so therefore the essence of the work that a man does is to adopt the will of God and that is a complete testimony that the Rabbani law is supreme, therefore Avram has to be a chariot, which operationally means that if you want to bring God into the universe, which is what a chariot does, then you also have to work like a chariot. And a chariot only works at the beckoning of its driver. If the driver doesn't make the move to go, the chariot stands still. The same idea, the horses stand still, which drive the chariot. Therefore, you have to act operationally like a chariot to adopt the will of God then God moves into the Bria. If you don't adopt the will of the Rav then of course the chariot doesn't move, and the Rav never gets to his destination, which means that the Hester, the concealment of God's presence, continues. That's the idea, the two fundamental ideas in the metaphor of the Merkava, the chariot. So when the Shem said to Avram, you are the chariot, and he indicated that by saying that he got off him, he was saying to Avram that you can bring me into the universe, which means you can remove all that concealment, that darkness, and you can bring me in, and people will recognize the presence of God, that's the function of a chariot, that's what it's, the purpose, and operationally the way you'll do it is by adapting your will to mind the way a chariot and its horses does to the driver. So, Rebbein Shalom was telling him two things. That you, the, your purpose is to bring me into the uni- universe. That's the purpose. And the method is to adopt my rotten. Two messages to Avram. That's the significance of a chariot. So we see that a, a merkava is a profound metaphor for the whole purpose of a Jew. And that is that the Jew's purpose now, after Avram, before it was all mankind's purpose, that the whole purpose of the Jew is to bring the Rabbeinu back into the Bria, and that's what a chariot does, and back into the Bria means to remove both deficiencies, the concealment as a result of man's contribution by his chet, and the concealment as a result of God's contribution, the initial stage of the universe. And the second idea is that how are you going to do this? How are you going to get God back into the universe? Megali Yechudoi. By adopting the will of the driver, which means to do his mitzvahs, and proclaim his unity, therefore God, Taka, or in reality, does come back into the universe. That's why Avram is called a Merkova. That's the idea of Merkova, chariot. Now, if we follow it completely, then the Merkova, Chazal said in Cheskel, when he saw the Merkova, that, that, he had, that he had four wheels, or four, four images at the bottom. Instead of four wheels. The first wheel, or the wheel, the four wheels, one was the, a lion, one was an ox, one was the face of a man, one was the face of an ox, the face of a lion, the face of a man, and the face of an eagle. This was the bottom, the wheels of the chariot. What are wheels? Those are the wheels, those are the actual support, and they are the ones that move the chariot. That's the essence of the mobility of the chariot. So therefore, just to, uh, to understand three of them, who is the shah, the face of the ox? Who is Shah symbolized? Sheikh bin Yosef. Now you begin to understand what's going on, because that's one major tikkun. One major task of man is Yosef, is Yosef, which is symbolized by the ox Because you, well Yosef, by Yosef it says, it says in, in the, all in the end, of the chumash, right? In vayesavrochol, that when uh, Moshe blessed each tribe, each uh, right Shave it on Yosef he says, that the beauty of the ox, the firstborn of his ox, beauty is his. He calls Yosef an ox, that's the animal that symbolizes Yosef. So therefore, shor on the merkavah means the task of what Yosef has to do, which is to remove the damage or the concealment of God's presence that was contributed by man. Why is Yosef symbolized by an ox? What's the purpose of an ox? An ox works the ground. Mm, plow Remember, the plow the earth. Remember what the metaphor by yeah. Cain was? What was Cain? Cain was an ovid a domo. Remember I told you that Cain was an oived a domer. He worked the ground. And I said that that was a metaphor... For the Mashiach ben Yosef, because the Mashiach ben Yosef works the ground. Why? Because he's got to remove the earth, remove the yeah. physicality that man got as a result of his chet. So shah indicates Mashiach ben Yosef, which indicates the tikkun of ben Yosef. That ben Yosef has to masakim. Okay, masakan the kilkum, and the way he does that, of course, is he subjugates the sitra achra via sitra achra. And the reason why it's symbolized by the shore ox, because an ox works the ground, just like we see, works very hard. Just like we see that Kayan was an Ivid adama, And just like the union of Kain was M'sheikh bin Yosef, that job, the same idea The shore on the Merkava, is that's the job of man. There you are, sitting right under the Merkava, the idea of shore. What's the second idea, the second image under the Merkava, is the Ari. The lion. We all know the lion is David. Yehuda. Right? Yehuda. So the second, so the Ari symbolized the Tikkun of Ben-David. Right? Which is to remove the Chassan, the original deficiency of man. That's the Hesvastis of Kedusha. That's the tremendous spreading out or extension of holiness. This is the idea of the Ari. That that's the second Tikkun that's needed to convey God back into the universe. First Tikkun is Ben Yasef, the second Tikkun is Ben Dovid, which is symbolized by the lion, the Ari. Why is the lion, why does the Ari, the symbol of Ben Dovid? Because the Ari proclaims majesty and kingship wherever it goes. The, The lion is the king of the jungle in terms of its incredible beautiful appearance. It looks like a Melech. So therefore the idea of Malchus is uh, uh, symbolized by a lion so that the task of the Mashiach ben Do- David is to proclaim the kingship of God throughout the Bria the Malchus of the reversion throughout the Bria to spread the Kedusha which is the kingship of God throughout the Bria, See? so therefore Shor represents Ben Yosef which is to work the ground to remove the Sitra Achra to subjugate it and the lion is to spread the lion roams wherever he goes right he roams through africa as a king He dispatched a to spread out royalty throughout the land just like the lion wanders throughout the land the lion is royalty that's why these two animals symbolize the sheikh bin david and the sheikh bin Yosef or they symbolize the two different kinds of jobs that Jews have to do that's why God made a lion and made an ox not the reverse Mm -hmm. not that since you have an ox that works on the ground and a lion that goes around like a king therefore God used these as symbols for the Moshiach ben and Moshiach ben Yosef no because two tikkunim are needed that means working on the ground which means removing evil out of the body of man and to proclaim majesty throughout therefore An animal like the lion and the ox were created, reversed, that's where the Torah works. They were created as animals representing those two tasks of the Jew. The third image was the image of Adam, was the face of a man. What does that mean? Because who does those two tikkunim? Who is the instrument, the one who has free will, who has to do these two tasks? Man, that's who has to do it. So therefore, the chariot will move as a result of man. So man doing the tikkun of Shor, Ben Yosef, and the tikkun of the Ari, Ben Dovid, that is what moves the chariot, because those are the wheels. That is what moves the chariot and conveys the rabbinish into the Bria. And whose face do you think was on the chariot? Whose, it says the face of a man. Mm-hmm. Whose face was that? It was Yaakov. Why was it Yaakov? Chazal say that Yaakov had the beauty of Rishon, Right? So therefore, whose face was supposed to be originally on the Merkava? Rishon, Right? Because he was the original one who had the term Yisrael. After he lost it, who got it? Who was the one who was called Yisrael finally? Yaakov. So therefore, Chazal and Meramez, by telling you that Yaakov has the beauty of Rishon, which means that Yaakov finally... Internalized or in him gelled the concept of Yisrael, and therefore he was called Yisrael, right? From Adam Orishan. That's why he looked similar to Adam, because he took over what Adam should have done. He became Yisrael. So therefore, the face of the Merkabah is no more Adam, it's Yaakov of And the Chazal say that how we know it's Yaakov of Because by the Sulam. When the angels were going up by the ladder, when Yaakov had a dream after he went out from Beersheba and he was going to Choron, he slept and he had a dream, the ladder, the, Jacob's ladder, right? And he saw angels going up and down and God was standing on, its, on the side. So the idea is to the Chazal and Churon, that the angels were going up and they looked at the demus, the, the image of Yaakov, up in the Mala, which means in the Merkava, and then they came down and they saw him sleeping on the ground. They saw, you know, so they, were, they saw Yaakov in both places, the image of Yaakov. So therefore, Khazal learned that the image of Merkava was Yaakov, right? And again, the reason why it is Yaakov, because since Yaakov now has the concept of Israel, no more Adam who had it before, therefore Yaakov looked like Adam, or he had the shufra of the Adam, the beauty of Adam. yet the image was Yaakov because now he was Israel, and what is the concept or the definition of Israel? Those group of individuals who can do the tikkunim, ben Yosef or ben David, who can correct both deficiencies—the deficiency of the Hester caused by man and the deficiency or the Hester, uh, the deficiency caused by God. Those are the two tasks of a Jew, which is the tasks of Israel. And since Yaakov is Israel, he is the image of man. So therefore, we see that the Merkava is literally the metaphor that says everything about the structure of the Bria it says how God gets into the Bria which automatically tells us what is the purpose of man to bring God to the Bria, right and it tells us that there is God is concealed from the universe or else God wouldn't have to get to the Bria, so it tells us the state of the universe which is an absence of the presence of God it tells us the purpose of man or Yaakov or Yisrael to bring God into the Bria Right, tells us how by the two tikkunim you have to occupy yourself with removing the eight Zahara and then spreading holiness. Right, it tells us that Yisrael is the one who does that, and who's the one it's Yaakov. And it tells us the way you do it is by adapting the will of the driver. Right, that's the way a chariot works. Now you see why the chariot is such a fundamental idea in the vision of Yeheskel. Why suara mekava. Because what he was looking at was a metaphor that represents the entire structure, the fundamental structure of the B, of, of the whole bria. This is the idea of, 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 uh, of the merkava. And why was it said? Why was it said after the bris? Because that was the agreement. What was the agreement that the Rebbeinu made with Avram? What was the agreement that he made with him? He said that you are the one who's going to do those two Tikkunim. You are the ones who are going to bring God's Presence, and remove both kinds of Hester's The Hester contributed by man, and the Hester contributed by God. You are the one. So if you are the one, then what are you? You are a chariot. In other words, it says, God designated Avron to be a chariot after the bris, because that's exactly what the covenant was, the agreement. You are going to be the chariot. What is the chariot? The individual who will take God and bring him into the Bria. That's exactly what the chariot is. That's why at that point in time, the rabbinic told them, you are the chariot. You have now become the Merkava for for the entire Bria. You and of course all your descendants after you. Therefore, what we see so far is that the idea of Merkava coming after the Bris is really a metaphoric statement of the entire agreement. And that's why Itaka comes after that's why Tak comes after the idea of the Bris. So, therefore, we see that the, the Rabbanishlam essentially made a new agreement with Avram that from now on he and his descendants would be the ones who are going to bring the Tikkun, which means they are going to bring the Rabbanishlam back into the Bria and no one else. It's important to note that in the Posek, where it says that Avram became a the name that the Rabbanishlam uses to describe himself is Elohim which is the Rabbani in his role as a judge. This means that Avram Avinu, he merited to become a Merkava by S'chus because of merit. He earned it as a result of his Avoidus. It was not given to him freely. That's why the appellation is Elokim, the Midis Hadin, the Rabbani in his attribute as a judge. Avram earned it. Therefore he and his descendants now become the true Mesaknin of the entire Bria.